Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Tuesday afternoon, 23rd of May, my daughter's sixth birthday. Hey. Happy birthday to Francis. Uh, I'm going to do some Francis. camera adjusting, by the way. Why is that? Because uh, the change the format on the stream a little bit to make uh, the picture bigger for the three of us. But you're the shortest. And uh, you look like you are eight inches shorter than Haydad, and it's like Here. the opposite. Is that better? That's a little better. A but, better but still... How about you sit up in your chair? A little good posture. Yeah, and, and it looks like Haydad's head is like, like he's wearing a motorcycle that helmet. Boy's you know? head is massive. So I, I got to just like it, Sputnik. For for those of you that watch on the stream, congratulations! You get more of us. Wonderful. Yeah, we have I'm said sure. many times that our demographics show that the more we show of our bodies, the higher our listeners, the higher our ratings are. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can uh, visit them online to book a tee time or plan your trip at dancingrabbitgolf.com. It's dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. Mike in Oxford starts us off on the ceasefire text line. He says, I can't believe you guys aren't in Hoover eating catfish. I can believe it. I watched the baseball teams play this year. <laughs> Did you, you went to all the games, Mike. You should have no problem believing that we're not there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's sad. Yeah, the, I mean, Go for some catfish, though. Everything that goes with the SEC tournament is really fun and is, uh, is really cool. And in typical SEC tournament fashion, it wouldn't be the SEC baseball tournament without a weather delay. And we've got one in the top of the ninth inning of game two of the day. So this morning, South Carolina blanked Georgia nine to nothing. Um, that is two teams that have traditionally not given a hoot about the SEC tournament. Georgia continued that tradition. South Carolina kind of needed to, uh, needed to play well. They have slipped from uh, an expected top eight seed to um, not even hosting and uh, being a two seed in the tournament. So we will see uh, perhaps a deep run for South Carolina. 
could maybe get them back into the hosting conversation. I don't know. We'll see. But they win, and Georgia goes home. Georgia, the first team that is sent home from the SEC tournament. Texas A&M is leading 3 nothing over Tennessee. Tennessee, another team that uh, projected to be a two-seed as opposed to hosting. Last year they were the number one overall seed in the tournament. Uh, Mike could have played themselves into it, but they're going to have to come out with a bottom-of-the-ninth-inning rally, uh, trailing to Texas A&M 3 to nothing in the top of the ninth inning. They are currently in a weather delay. Two more games coming up tonight. We'll what? tell you about no. those later on. No way. Weather delay at the SEC tournament? No yeah, well, I mean, that's how I set all that up. It's like it wouldn't be the SEC it's, tournament it's without the It's a tradition world. like any other. So, uh, friend of the program, Wes Rucker, is doing the uh, whole they need to move the SEC tournament to a domed stadium thing today. And Kendall Rogers, also friend of the program, who you'll hear from in uh, 55 minutes, um, said that Craig Sankey did visit Globe Life Park in Arlington earlier this year. Well, yeah, it's because there were a couple of SEC teams playing in that. There it's were. a great venue. It looks incredible. The the interior looks incredible. Hey, that's all you see when the games are on TV. Exactly when right. The stadium. Hey, I mean, whatever. It, it's just a big building on the outside, and right. yes, it does look like a sail barn. Sure, uh, it's got a retractable roof. If you want to open it up, you can. You don't have to. That is a great facility. I mean, you you guys remember, I came home and advocated that the College World Series should move there. Hey. And gave a lot of compelling reasons to as to why. Would they send us to that? To the SEC tournament if it was in yeah. Arlington? Yeah, let's say next year, State and Ole Miss, back, back to normal, but they move the SEC tournament to Arlington. I the, think so. The first one, for sure. Uh, then let's do it. Let's do it, then. I'm, I'm all for it. Some Texas barbecue? Absolutely. <laughs> It all comes back to food. Hey, don't blame him for that one. I love no. brisket. I love no. brisket. What can I say? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I can't be mad at you for uh, for that. But, yeah, no, it's uh, good grief. It's been a long time since uh, I have not been to the SEC tournament. No, that's not true. It was six years ago that I did not go to the SEC tournament. You guys remember that? So Francis was born I do. on Tuesday. I think it was. I don't think it remember was, it at all. I, okay. That was before you. Before your time. So, so Francis was born on a Tuesday. I mean, I was alive. Or maybe she was born on a Monday. I, I, I don't remember what the day of the week was. But we came home from the hospital, got everybody settled in, and I was like, all right, I'm headed to Hoover. And I could see, even though Jane knew that I was going and had known that I was going, I could see that her face just dropped. And she was like, okay, be careful, be safe. And my father-in-law still had a motorhome at the time. And, I mean, I had it loaded up, had a spot ready to park it in the auxiliary parking lot and the whole deal. And I was about halfway to Pontotoc. And I called Will East. I said, this feels like a really dumb decision for me. He said, well, I'm glad to hear you finally say that out loud. <laughs> I said, tell me you're not going to be mad. He's like, no. He's like, Richard, you just had your third child. He's like, you don't need to leave your wife at home. So I made a U-turn on Highway 6, halfway between Oxford and Pontotoc, and I come bebopping back into town, parked that motor home in front of the house on like this little set. We were in a rental house, too. I mean, it was, I mean, it was tight quarters. 
I mean, it was it was five of us and three dogs and about twelve hundred square feet. It was, I mean, it was it was snug for our then family of five plus the dogs. And uh, I walked back in the house, and Jane just kind of looked up, and I don't know if I've ever seen her smile at me that big. I was like, I'm just going to stay here for the rest of the week, and she was so happy. So yeah, I missed it six years ago. Um, but aside from that, it's been a while. It's a great event. It, I mean, it's an it absolutely is. great event, and it's one that we really enjoy being uh, there for. But doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be there um, if both Mississippi State and Ole Miss are at home. What's worse, not making the tournament at all, or being eliminated on Tuesday at one o'clock? You play the morning game well, well, where I the can, stands are basically empty, yeah. and you get you get bounced nine to nothing. I mean, would you rather just not show up at that point? Well, it probably depends on where you are in terms of your uh, SEC or your your NCAA regional hopes, right? I mean, if um, if Georgia had beaten South Carolina, South Carolina would have still been in. I don't know if you'd be that upset if you were South Carolina. Um. But, yeah, for Georgia, I mean, they won 11 games in the league this year. And uh, they just got beat 9 to nothing in the early morning game at the SEC tournament. Yeah, my guess is they probably be like, you know, we probably could have just stayed at Athens and already started our summer plans. Yeah. Um, it might be worse to, uh, to play the game that doesn't end until, like, 1 in the morning on day one to have your team get eliminated. We saw that last year, I think. Y'all did. I was I was asleep. <laughs> I woke hey. up. I was like, "Oh, they lost." Yeah. Wonder if we're staying. Yeah. <laughs> and it was at ten o'clock the next morning. I called Houston McDavid, and he said, yeah. um, <laughs> "I said Houston." I was like, "Hey, just for the record, I'm cool with whatever. We're here. Does this make any sense?" He's like, and he said, "I'm so glad you called and asked me that." <laughs> he said, "I've been thinking about it all morning long." And so we, uh, we we went a little higher up the ladder, and everybody was in agreement that it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we packed our bags and hurriedly came back to Mississippi and did uh, did the show on the radio for the uh, the rest of Just the uh, year. Saw my phone ring and it said Houston McDavid. I was like, well, we start packing. It's time to go. He wouldn't invite me to lunch. Yeah. Um. So he says, who in the SEC won't make the big dance? I'm assuming we're talking about baseball regionals. Uh, well, I, there, there are two that for certain won't. Um, Ole Miss will not. Mississippi State will not. Georgia will not. Missouri, unless they win the SEC tournament, which I don't think they are capable of, will not. Um, yeah. I think that's it. Think A&M, going. I mean, A&M wins this game today. They're, they're probably in. Yeah, I think they're in regardless, but today a, a win today would absolutely lock them up. Yeah, everybody else is in. So ten of the fourteen. We went through the the D one baseball projected hosts yesterday. Seven SEC hosts, four top eight seeds, and then three others. Tennessee was a two seed. Uh, South Carolina was a two seed, and Texas A and M was a three seed. So. I know you guys disagree. I actually love the late game. I know there are a lot of people. Who are like, oh, I don't disagree with late. that. Maybe it, you know it ends at one in the morning. It ends at two in the morning. And my thought is, I mean, other than sleep, it ends at three forty-five in the morning. Okay, that was a bit much. I, I did watch the. I, I stayed up till the end of that one, but I watched the last like well, five you? innings from my hotel room. 
Yeah, I, I stayed Did at the now? ballpark until one thirty that night, but uh, I think I finished it uh, mm. at the hotel. I love that late game, though, when it runs until about 1 in the morning. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back with you. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. now. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. We don't yet know who Southern Miss is going to play in the Sunbelt Conference baseball tournament. If you didn't catch the way that Scott Berry was describing the, the setup yesterday, there are two games today. Old Dominion, James Madison in the the 10-7 game. Old Dominion, the 10 seed, James Madison, the 7 seed. And then the 8-9 game is Georgia State, Georgia Southern. Because Coastal Carolina is the number one seed, they will wait and see who wins those two games. They don't just automatically put the winner of game one to face the one seed, the winner of game two to face the two seed. That's not how they do it. They wait and see the results, and if, for example, Old Dominion, the 10 seed, beats James Madison, the 7 seed, then Southern Miss would play the winner of the Georgia-Southern-Georgia State game. So whoever the highest remaining seeded team is plays the number one seed, and then the, the lower seed plays the number two seed. Southern Miss is the number two seed. What we do know is that Southern Miss will begin its Sunbelt Conference tournament action tomorrow, scheduled to start at 12.30. But again, don't know who they're going to play. I I don't love that format. I think you're asking, now, you, you've pretty much played everybody in the league, but aren't you asking a lot for your number one and number two seeds to prepare for four teams, not knowing who they're going to play, instead of just narrowing their preparation down to two teams? Yeah. That just seems silly to me. But... I don't know. Just go win, baby. That's all, that's all you can do. Right? Just get, just go pitch better than they do and hit better than they do and just play your game, and maybe it doesn't matter. But, but you know, you've got pretty detailed scouting reports, and, I mean, I guess you can work your way through all of that. Speaking of Southern Miss, we have a new regional projection for Baseball America. We looked at uh, D1 Baseball's yesterday. Today we have Baseball America. Number one overall seed is Wake Forest. Number two is Florida. Number three, Arkansas. LSU four. Stanford five. Clemson six. Vanderbilt seven. Virginia eight. Coastal Carolina is the nine seed in Baseball America's projection. Oklahoma State ten. Kentucky eleven. Miami twelve. South Carolina still hosting there. They are a thirteen. Certainly didn't hurt their chances with that win earlier today. Auburn is the fourteen. Boston College, the 15, and Indiana State picked as the 16 seed hosting in Terry Haute, Indiana. So, where is Southern Miss? 
same as it's always been in the Baseball America projections, Southern Miss, the two-seed in Baton Rouge, along with NC State and Nichols State. We talked with Kendall last week about this, and he suggested that because of some of LSU's pitching woes, they may not have any chance, any choice, but to throw Paul Skeens in game one. I just I couldn't disagree more. And, and hey, Dad, we've talked about it a million times. It's not about winning the first game. It's about winning the first two games. Right. And about LSU, winning the regional. Yes. Yes, but to win the regional, you win the first two games, and then you are 100% in the driver's seat. It's not infallible, yes. but it's overwhelming. The team that goes 2-0 and wins the regional. Not always, right. but most of the time. So if you're trying to win the regional and you're LSU, you know, how, how gutsy are you? Because the simple answer is you throw Ty Floyd in game one against the four seed, and then you throw Paul Skeens in game two, and then you just figure it out after that. If you can't ha- beat Nichols with your number two guy, you well, can't win a championship. I, I don't disagree with that, but here's what I mean when I say how gutsy are you. Could you throw someone other than your one or your two against the four seed in game one? Could they go Christian Little? Could they go somebody else that they throw in the midweek in game one and just try to mash their way to a win to then set up Paul Skeens in game two and Ty Floyd in a regional championship game? So... I go back to the 2019 regional here in Starkville. State had, uh, I think it was Southern, who was the SWAC champion. You would expect mm-hmm. to win that game. State won with their number two guy in that. They right. went with JT Ginn. They probably could have gone with Peyton Plumley, to be honest. And if you remember that game, uh, Ginn actually left the game early with with, a, with an injury. So, But they probably could have gone Plumley and then had Small and Ginn ready to go game two, game three. But they didn't. That's that's a big risk. What you're discussing, especially when you're LSU and you've seen how weak your pitching has been beyond schemes. I, I might not, I don't know that I would go down that road. Yeah, especially when it's a team that's beaten you before. Yeah, Nichols went to Baton Rouge and won a was game earlier this year. Starter on the mound, of course, but you yeah. know. Uh, that, that is no, no, I'm saying for LSU with a midweek starter on the mound, and so the idea of, hey, just throw the midweek starter and figure it out, maybe that's a little too risky in game one of the regional. Maybe you've yeah. got to go Ty Floyd. I just think you've got to hold Paul Skeens for a potential matchup with either Southern Miss or NC State. If this projection played out, mm-hmm. flip side of the coin, Southern Miss has no choice if they're playing NC State but to throw Tanner Hall in game one. Got to. You have to. Correct. You have to. Do you think Southern Miss is more depth than LSU, though? Let's pretend for a second and just play this scenario out because, look, the committee's kind of lazy anyway, right? There's a chance that even though Southern Miss is one of the best twos out there, they'll still get sent to the number four because it's close by because that's what the committee does. And they're lazy about it, and that's what they do. Even if you lose to Paul Skeens in game two, even if you lose that game, do you feel like you can get them back through a loser's bracket because of how dire LSU's pitching situation is. Mm. 
going to be hard. Of course. It would be difficult. In that environment, too. But, you know, just looking at it on paper, you'd think, oh, man, Southern Miss, for lack of a better phrase, got screwed here. I mean, that is terrible having to go to Baton Rouge. But you look at LSU's pitching situation, and atmosphere aside, there's... There's been years past where you liked that draw less than you do this year, I think. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think the draw in Baton Rouge is a death sentence. I, I don't, by any stretch of the imagination. But if I'm Southern Miss, I don't want to go to Baton Rouge. There's a lot of history there that is a hitter's uh, a hitter-friendly ballpark. you got the best pitcher in America on LSU's staff that... It's not an inviting situation. And and Southern Miss, perhaps, can play themselves into not having to deal with that. I do have one question for you on these, um, on these Baseball America projections. Auburn, as the number 14 overall seed, Alabama not hosting, despite Alabama having... Five more wins overall, one less SEC win, being four spots better in the RPI, and five spots worse in strength of schedule. I'm not arguing necessarily that Alabama should be hosting over Auburn, but if Auburn is hosting as number 16 in the RPI with a 33-19-1 record, how is Alabama not hosting as number 12 in the RPI with a 38 and 17 record and the 14th most most difficult schedule in the country. I, I don't understand that. That 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 does not make sense to me in these baseball America projections. Is Indiana State more deserving to host than Alabama? Maybe. It, dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does what happened with Alabama in a oh, room full I of... I don't think that's a dumb question at all. I mean, you, you can you can play that they rallied and they overcame controversy and you know these kids had nothing to do with it all you want. You can play that card all you want, and it's true. Yeah. But the fact is, Alabama fired its coach during the season because he was betting on his team, or betting against his team. Providing information for someone to bet against his team. Yeah. That is an NCAA violation in every rule book that has ever been printed by the NCAA. Does the NCAA selection committee get any direction from the home office? Like, hey, there's an opportunity to not have Alabama host. We'd rather Alabama not host. I don't know. But I don't think that's a dumb question at all. And if Alabama wins a couple of games in the SEC tournament and has a top 10 RPI and doesn't host, then that is a question that absolutely has to be asked on Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. It's time to get real. Real Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Love to have you be a part of the conversation. Right now, though, we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Hattiesburg and Laurel stations and available online at supertalk.fm. Luke, what's up, man? Happy uh, happy Tuesday. The, the, the conference tournament, one more day. Golden Eagles got to wait one more day, and we still don't know who they're going to play. Yeah, happy tournament Tuesday to you as well. Uh, Sunbelt tournament underway in Montgomery, Old Dominion, and James Madison, no score in the bottom of the second. Uh, if James Madison wins this game, Golden Eagles will will take on the Dukes tomorrow. They're the highest um, seed. So if Old Dominion were to win this game, then whoever wins the nightcap, uh, Georgia Southern or Georgia State, the Golden Eagles would take them on tomorrow at 1230. Gotcha. So if Old Dominion were to pull the upset, then we don't necessarily know. Yeah, then Southern Miss would get the winner. Of the Georgia Southern Georgia right. State game later tonight. So, yeah, Coastal gets the lowest seed, so that would automatically be Old Dominion should they win. Do people like this format where you have to, if you're the one seed or the two seed, where you got to wait until the two games are played on the first day of the tournament to figure out who you're playing? I hadn't really heard any feedback. You know, it was new for us. Uh, it was kind of the same way that Sunbelt did the basketball tournament. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I guess maybe in year number one, when you finish second in the league, you don't need to complain about the uh, tournament format. Just just go play it and go win a bunch of games. So that's the that's the goal, right? Win a bunch of games and get as deep into this thing as you possibly can. If you can walk away with a tournament championship, that's great. If not, how deep does Southern Miss have to get in your mind to hear their name called on Monday afternoon as a host? I talked to Mark Etheridge today. He was on the show from D1 and, and – um, he said the same thing that that we've all been saying. I think you guys have said that. Eagles got to win. Um, what can help them is if Troy beats Appalachian State um, tomorrow, then the Golden Eagles could face Troy, and then you would hope if they beat the Trojans that they could play them again, Troy coming out of the loser's bracket. And then if Coastal makes it to the championship, that would be the ideal because that would give you three games against you know top thir- – Troy's 35 right now, I think. So that would give you, uh, if you were to beat Coastal and going 4 0, you would have a top 25 win, a top 15 RPI win, and then two more RPI wins against the 35 team. And, um, really right now, though, you're, you're rooting for a lot of other teams, some teams to win, other teams to lose. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? I mean, we've talked about that. It's not like you say Southern Miss has to do this. And if they do this, then that guarantees they're a top 16. It's, Southern Miss got to win all they can possibly win. And, oh, by the way, it would be great if Boston College got bounced early. You know, it would be great if you didn't have UConn make uh, an incredible run deep into the, uh, into the Big East tournament. It'd be great if Indiana State lost in the Missouri Valley tournament. Just, and so on. You, you, you need a lot of things to happen and you just really can't know until the, the, the dust settles a little bit. Yeah, and some of the, you know, RPI projections didn't happen either. Um, you know, you thought that you would get a bump for, you know, beating Louisiana, winning the series, but the one loss to Louisiana basically, you know, null and voided the two wins. 
Yeah. So you didn't get that push. And it just seems as if everybody ahead of the Golden Eagles, like you said, um, is making a strong case uh, and, and finishing very strong. So maybe if Auburn, you know, were to get bounced, um, you know, without getting to 35, that that would be that would that would help them out. Because I think it's also as regional as well. I mean, it's basically looking at uh, if you've got two in the state of Alabama and, and one in Baton Rouge. Um, then you're not going, you know, to get one in Hattiesburg. So if one of the the Alabama teams uh, would not host, I think that would help the Eagles as well. Yesterday, D1 Baseball projected Southern Miss to a Tuscaloosa regional. Today, Baseball America projects Southern to uh, to Baton Rouge. We've we've heard that a hundred times and and understand it, but um, is one of those two more preferable? I think Tuscaloosa. Um, you and I have talked about this before just because of, you know, you, you still feel like, though, even if you were to get beat by LSU, that maybe their their pitching would become suspect if they hung around in a regional um, because you're, you're probably not going to beat Skeens. I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, I would – it's Tuscaloosa all day long. And, uh, you know, the way that, that Bandy kind of closed, you would maybe feel good about, about Nashville um, as well. I think – I think in Tuscaloosa and Nashville, it's more about even though, you know, the Crimson Tide put it on the Golden Eagles earlier in the season. Um, Southern Miss is playing better now. I think you got to look at who the three would be in both of those two as as being preferable. Southern Miss fans would love you know a two hour trip to Tuscaloosa if they can't host. So to to your point in looking at the three, we were debating a second ago. If the baseball, let's just say that the baseball America projection was, was accurate, and you had LSU as the one seed, Southern Miss is the two, NC State is the three, and the Nichols State is the four. Th- there's no decision to be made for Scott Berry, right? You have to run Tanner Hall out there for Game One. The decision falls with Jay Johnson. Do you trust that somebody not named Paul Skeens can go beat Nichols in a one versus four game? But that's not a luxury. Do you think there's a three seed out there if Southern Miss finishes a two? Where Scott would genuinely consider holding Tanner Hall in Game One. I mean, he did it in the Super Regional, and it, it, that's the only time he's really ever done that. And I mean, if there was ever a time to do it, it would have been in '18 when Sandlin, with a 106 ERA, you know, he throws him against Dallas Baptist, and uh, you know, comes back to bite him in Game Two, but they didn't have an option. So I don't really see any scenario Scott would rather. Because here's the deal with Tanner, and this is what they'll look for tomorrow out of him. It's not just the fact that you're throwing an ace and you're hopefully probably going to get a win. If That's Tanner eats good. eight innings, yep. yeah, I mean, the whole bullpen's protected. And and with Southern Miss having Maza and Armistead as middle relievers and possibly a fourth or a fifth game starter, and 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 Hall can save the whole bull, bullpen in that way, then, I mean, you got to throw him. Yeah, that, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Hey, let's go back to last weekend. We talked with Scott yesterday about his thoughts on it. What about your thoughts from a, uh, from, uh, just kind of observing it, soaking it all in, uh, a guy who has been closely tied to Southern Miss for a, a really long time? I know it was a special day in, uh, in Hattiesburg on, on Friday night. Despite the outcome of the game, the day itself was incredibly special. It was the most Southern Miss thing ever. 5.30, everybody's ready to go, stadium's packed, and, to the top, baby, two, two and a half, you know, two hour delay. I mean, it was just the most, it was, it was just like, yeah, this is going to happen this way. So 
I didn't feel like it was, you know, the the emotion that guys felt. I felt like everybody was ready to play, and then, you know, it, they got put on the back burners, and, and Louisiana was really hot that night. I'll tell you a quick story because I shared it on Gerard today. You'll you'll really enjoy this. So I went by, I stopped by Friday, and uh, I, I just wanted to see him, you know, two thirty or three. He wasn't in his office, so right there at the Pete on on the uh, outside, there's a a ticket office. And there's a, a closet to the side of it. And Scott's coming out of the closet, and he's just, like, sweating down. And, you know, I walked out. I said, what are you doing? And he had jerseys in his hands. And uh, he said, well, I was up there in the attic, you know, looking around for some 40 jerseys because my family's going to wear them tonight. And he's like, I didn't know I had this one. And he holds it up, and it's his World Series assistant coach jersey. And, you know, he, he wasn't a manager or a GA or somebody else out there. Scott Berry, three hours before he's going to be recognized, sweating down, digging around in an attic. And his associate, you know, his assistant uh, coach's jersey from the World Series has been sitting in this attic for who knows. And I was like, bro, you need to take that one home. That one needs to go to the house. But it epitomized what we were celebrating later that night. Was that the one that had the, like, the black cap shoulders that, that came down with the, the rest of the body of the jersey was white? It was the white jersey. It was it was mainly white, but what was cool about it, it had the hundred year anniversary of the school on it. They really didn't. They didn't even wear it in Omaha because they. It was like the third uh, version of the jersey, um, but that was what was cool about it. It had the hundred year um, patch on. Hey, I need you to clear something up for me because I think I royally screwed it up in terms of a timeline yesterday. I, I saw the news that Dr. Rodney Bennett is likely going to be named the next chancellor at the University of Nebraska. He announced that he was stepping away but was going to serve through the end of his contract. Did he step down early once a new chancellor was named at, at Southern Miss? Is that how that all ended up working out? No, he, he actually he, he did leave early, and so then they appointed Dr. Joe Paul as interim. Okay. And then they later named Dr. Paul um, as the president at Southern Miss. And he's been around the university for 40 years. He taught me as a professor back in the day. When Southern Miss beat Tulane in the fall, he was on the sidelines holding up, get loud. So um, he's a perfect fit for Southern Miss. He's actually, uh, he's actually will make announcements whenever they get a student. Like he'll make those commitment announcements on Twitter, like like uh, athletic departments do. Great guy. That's uh, that's pretty good stuff. Safe trip to Montgomery. Enjoy it. Hope everything goes well and uh, Southern Miss is still there Saturday or Sunday. All right, guys, have a great day. See you later. Thanks, Luke. Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back after this. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Right now, if you're an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan, all you've really got is looking back, right? I mean, if you're a State fan, maybe it's a good time to go back and watch that game against Vanderbilt. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you can, you know, watch the, the game against Oklahoma from last year and remember how cool it was. Or 
you can watch the documentary that dropped on the SEC Network last night, Last In, Last Out. They're in a rain delay at the SEC tournament, and they are showing that right now. Um, oh, it's the SEC tournament game against Vanderbilt. This is not necessarily the highlight of the, uh, of the, of the whole show. Guys, That's the I last had, problem, though. That I was the last forgotten. one. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 was, it was pretty good after that. So when Ole Miss went on that run at the end of the season, so they swept Missouri, they swept LSU, they lost two of three to A&M, and then they lost, so they actually lost three of four leading into the postseason postseason, the, the regional play. I forgot that in the LSU sweep, which, by the way, Ole Miss had not done in a long time, they started that Friday night game with Dylan DeLucio on the mound and then had a weather delay that rolled in, and they stopped it in the second or the third inning. And then Dylan DeLucia came back and pitched on Saturday morning. Do you remember that? And, like, just threw a gym the rest of that game. I'd completely forgotten about that moment from the season. And it clearly mattered. So... Uh, here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. I, I know that production was not meant for Ole Miss people. That's what the season and stuff is for. Mm-hmm. But b- based on my interactions, there was a lot less Ole Miss fans that were interested in the launching of that documentary than, or that show, whatever you want to call it, than there would have been had the baseball team not stunk it up this year. Yeah, well, maybe you can get yourself in a better mind frame by by watching it. Hey, Dad, as, as you thought back about the run two years ago for Mississippi State, where where they won it all, is there? I mean, ne- never mind the game against Vanderbilt at the end. I know you've gone back and you've rewatched some of it and thought about the run. Is, is there a maybe. moment somewhere along the way where you're like, you know, I've kind of forgotten about that. That was a really big deal. I don't know if it, it, about that. I mean, because the moments that stand out to me the most in Omaha are Tanner Allen's home run against Virginia mm-hmm. and Tanner Leggett's walk-off uh, single against Texas that puts State into the finals. I mean, those are hard to forget uh, moments, you know. And, and you think about in the regional itself, not not a lot of, of drama there. The Super Regional was a really good one. I mean, it took three games. There, two of the games were really, really good. Cavadas hit that home that run that may or may or yeah, yeah. Cavadas hit that home run that may or may not still be traveling. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but to me, like the the, the moments that stand out the most are the, are are the big moments. Yeah, and and deservedly so. Certainly, I'm going to cut yeah. that though. Because what you said is absolutely true, but it is kind of the moments that stand out are the big moments. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. The and ceiling win is the roof. Yeah. Exactly. Michael exactly. Uh, the ne- thing uh-huh. I'll never forget is the blown call on the last out versus Vanderbilt, even though it didn't matter. <laughs> that, that was the umpire saying, you're bunting down nine. You're out. Go, go to your room. Go to your home yeah. city. You do not get a trophy. You receive no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. Or, or, or something like that. I don't know if all of that flashed through his uh, flashed through his mind. Um, 
ceasefire oh, yeah. text lines open at 601-879-4395. We actually do have a bunch to uh, get to. We're going to talk with Kendall Rogers to start the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, David Cobb from CBS Sports will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to some college football with him. Some big-picture thoughts as we are now 102 days from the opening Thursday night. Two days. I got to. I got to screenshot the list uh, of the FPI so we can start with uh, 100 and lock that in. Because I don't think it changes, but it might. I don't know how the the nerds do stuff. I don't, they they just create new formulas to like get new rankings and what stuff. If, and what if we did something different this nerds? Year? What What if we took what? the the 100 teams that make up the top 100 in the FPI? Sorry, I'm creating more work. You'll have to forgive me. And then, I'll do this. You don't have to necessarily do it. We took the 100 teams in the top 100 of the FPI, and then we used a random number generator to disperse the 100 so that the first two months of going through the top 100 is not, nobody cares about this team, nobody cares about this team. I Let's like spread it. them out. But that yeah, random number random generator's got to got to eliminate the the one that it landed on though, you know. Cuz once we get down to 10 teams and we're using a random number just, generator just, that's just scratch them off the list. I know, but what I'm saying school. is you might have to roll it when we get to the end, you might have to just keep rolling and rolling and rolling unless it saves oh, the number saying, that yeah. you eliminate. No, I'm I'm saying like order them 1 through 100 in a spreadsheet and then have a number generator spit out numbers in some random order, one through one hundred, do they not do that? It, yes, I'll explain in the break. Like, can AI not do that for us? <laughs> we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau guest line to start us off in the 4 o'clock hour. The SEC tournament has begun, and in uh, true SEC tournament fashion, Game 2 is in a weather delay, giving us a chance for perhaps a really late night on Day 1 of the SEC tournament. Uh, busy week for Kendall Rogers and for the entire crew at, uh, at D1 Baseball. They'll have tournament coverage from all over the country. Kendall, I want to start you off today with a fill-in-the-blank. Okay, you ready for this? Uh-oh. For the 2023 postseason, don't let the blank get hot. Oh, Fill boy. Blank for me. Well, don't let the blank get hot. I mean, after what we've seen the first eight innings, do we do we throw A&M into the Ole Miss mix here? Like a preseason, you know, top five team that – was very average all year long, and like they just they're one hitting Tennessee right now at the SEC tournament. Maybe I don't know. It's kind of a homer pick, Kendall. It's not a homer. Pick. Well, okay, so I'll tell you what. It's not a homer pick. Um, they they're, they were. I mean, honestly, if you look at their if you look at last year for Ole Miss, and you look at this year for A and M, they're actually very similar, uh, very similar profiles, but. Uh, I think if you look around the country, uh, I think you look at, you know, TCU out of the Big 12. They're a team that I thought coming in the season uh, was going to be really good. Uh, they certainly had some bumps and bruises, but, uh, you know, they, you know, I think they're a club that when you look at their pitching, you look at the fact they're finally healthy uh, offensively again. Uh, they're a team I've got my eyeballs on. I actually, you know, Tennessee has been playing well, but they, Tennessee was a team, too, that I thought if they could 
play well in Hoover and get to the you know get in the NCAA tournament and get in a favorable regional. I thought they could go on a roll and win the national championship. And then out west, uh, I'm really intrigued to see you know what happens with some of those middle uh, of the road Pac-12 teams like USC. You know USC is finally going to get back to the postseason. They're a club that I think if they can if they can just you know show up at the Pac-12 tournament, get in. Uh, and you know they can make a run. So there, there are a few candidates. Okay, I, uh, I I don't I don't dislike any of those those ideas. So we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Yesterday, uh, you guys put uh, out an updated uh, regional projection list. You had Southern Miss instead of the two seed in Baton Rouge as the two seed in Tuscaloosa. At this point, how close is Southern Miss to that number sixteen spot? I think if they go on a run of the conference tournament, they're going to be very, very difficult to deny. I just think when you look at this team overall, uh, yeah, the RPI sitting at 28. They've got pretty decent metrics. You know, they have a winning record on the road. Um, their top 100 record solid. They finished, you know, what, a game behind Coastal, who's like a slam dunk top 16. Uh, I just think if they went through that tournament, let's say they got to the championship game, uh, I think they should be hosting. I, I think they've done enough at that point. To, to look back and say, hey, you know what? They passed the eyeball test. This is a team that should definitely be hosting. With that said, uh, it really depends on what happens around them. You know, does East Carolina go on a run in the American tournament, win that tournament? You know, uh, the Oklahoma State and or Texas and West Virginia, you know, go on a run in the big gold tournament. Both those teams play for the championship, and all of a sudden both of those teams are hosting. So while, you know, I say that Southern Miss getting the, getting the Sunday would put them in pretty good position, um, that you know, that's not to say that someone else doesn't have a better week. So it's very fluid. But I would have it. I would think they should be a host if they did what I just said. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. And we were talking about that earlier. And the, the bottom line is, it's just not it, nothing happens in a vacuum, right? You, you you can't just lay out of if they do this, then this happens because Correct. there's so much else that is happening all around the country. Yeah, yeah, you're putting yourself in a bad position if you guarantee things. Kendall, I know you don't believe this because you and and your coworkers at, at D1 Baseball had them hosting. Is there any scenario, even if Alabama deserves to host, sitting at 12 in the RPI right now, where that committee is going to look at what happened with Brad Bohannon and go, yeah, I know it wasn't these players, I know it wasn't these kids, but they fired their coach in the middle of the season for betting on college baseball or providing information for someone betting on baseball. Could the committee potentially hold that against Alabama, even if their resume says they should be hosting? You know, as much as I like John, I would have a field day with him if they didn't end up hosting just because of that. And that was one of the reasons that was said. I just think when you when you look at what Alabama's done since the Bohannon fired, Winning a series over Vanderbilt, actually beating Vanderbilt eleven to two the day that he was fired. Um, you know, you look at what they did against A uh, and M on the road, scoring what twenty two runs or twenty three runs, excuse me, the final two games of the series to win that, uh, and then sweeping Ole Miss in pretty easy fashion. Uh, that's a really impressive finish considering what they went through. So I actually look more at that and how they responded to that adversity. More so, frankly, than I look to the, than I even look at the rest of the season. So I, I would hope it would not hurt them, but I mean, it wouldn't be the first time the committee's done something that I'm just like shaking my head at. So we'll see. Um, you guys have got Wake Forest as the number one overall seed. Uh, our condolences to Wake Forest for not winning the national championship. If uh, if uh, history holds, <laughs> holds true, I mean, it's been a really long time. Uh, but on a slightly more serious note, when you look at at some of the likely top eights. 
Who of, of that group, and we're talking Wake Forest, LSU, Arkansas, yeah. Florida, Virginia, I think is the eighth seed there. I don't have the projections pulled up in front of me, is most likely to get bounced. Like, their body of work deserves to be a top eight, but you look at them and you go, I don't think that's an Omaha team. Yeah, you're just saying get get bounced in the postseason, not necessarily on selection day. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm yeah, saying I think, you know earns that yeah, top eight. Okay, I think Clemson and Arkansas. I, I really and truly, again, Dave Van Horn, incredible job. He should have won the SEC Coach of the Year. Uh, I love what they've done this year. I, I just think at some point, I just I'm concerned about just their pitching, how it kind of stacks up in a regional or super. Uh, I think the other team for me is Clemson. I mean, they've been so hot. They've won seven straight ACC series. They swept where their last five ACC series. Like at some point, that run's got to stop, right? I mean, at, at some point, you've got to you've got to resort back to the mean a little bit. And so that kind of worries me about them. And then the last last team for me is LSU. Uh, I think LSU outside of Paul Schemes is extremely extremely vulnerable. So uh, it would not shock me if LSU is not in Omaha. You, you may have a better feel for this based on what Jay Johnson has done. It's something we were talking about in the, the first hour. Um, do, do you think, and, I, and we may have chatted with you about this last week. I, I, forgive me if we've already talked about this. Do you think Jay Johnson will hold Paul Skeens for, for, for the second game of the regional? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I think as if he is. You would, not, you would pitch him against the four seed. Down. Yeah, I mean, you just don't want to be that coach at LSU to lose in the four seed. I don't think the locals are handled that very well. I just think you can't take that chance. Yeah, again, I will say this. It depends on what your four seed is. I mean, if you're hosting Alabama State, then I think you look at it differently than if you're hosting, you know, or Robert to, you know, one like, you know, who's going to win 47 games and actually beat good teams in midweek. I think it all depends on who you're playing. But, okay. but I mean, if it's a halfway decent four seed, I would start him. I wouldn't even mess around with it. But isn't the counter-argument to that the goal is not to win one game, it's to win the regional? Or it's to win the first two games because the team that goes 2-0 and overwhelmingly wins the regional? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, in the 2-3 and three game, you're going, to be, you're going to be facing the number two guy for the other team. So, like, to me, that's, yeah, to me, that's more of a straight-up matchup than you going against my date because like some of these teams like ORU like they've got legitimate frontline dudes that in the, in the number one spot. So I think you know if you look at that second game, you're going two versus two. And so my my feeling is really like win the first game if you can't you know just get that out of the way. And you know what if you can't win two versus two, let's say against Southern Miss at home, yeah, you're probably not getting Omaha anyway. Yeah. Uh, who does the SEC tournament matter the most for this year? Well, I was going to say A&M, uh, but they certainly look like they're on the way to winning, although it's the ninth inning and they're only up uh, a couple of runs. But, uh, you know, I think if you look at the log jam with some of those hosts, I mean, I feel pretty good, pretty pretty confident about Auburn as a host right now. I mean, 17 SEC wins. They've got some pretty good metrics. They went out and played good teams in my conference. But I think when you look at, you know, Tennessee, you look at South Carolina, you know, Alabama, Kentucky, Kentucky, South Carolina are fascinating cases to me. you got – a team with an RPI two, a team with an RPI six. We had South Carolina out, uh, you know, yesterday. They win today against Georgia. 
I think another win by South Carolina would really throw the toasting situation in the SEC for a loop because at that point, it's like Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, and South Carolina all would probably deserve to host. I think if Tennessee ends up losing the same game, I think you can cross them off the off the sheet. But okay. that still leaves you with four teams for three spots. Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Can I just be honest with you, man? You know how much we love college baseball, and you know how much it means in the state of Mississippi. This sucks, man, with, with Ole Miss and Mississippi State just being out of it. It's just not fun. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird, man. It's like the one thing that the, the Magnolia State fans look forward to every year, and it's like, it's over, and we got to watch everybody else. But, you know, if, I, if I'm State and I'm Ole Miss and I'm players in those programs, like there's nothing that can motivate me more than sitting at home right now. Yeah, you uh, and maybe that's something they can you know use to their advantage next year. Here's hoping. Thanks, Kendall. Great catching up. Enjoy the weekend, you got it, buddy. Be good. Thank you, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We will be right back. Our sports talk, Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super talk, Mississippi. Remember, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. That's not what I was asking if you remembered. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Go ahead and say it. Hey, Dad. Yes, I, I remember. Re- I did remember that. Yes, I was aware. Hey, did you guys remember when the Lakers got swept in the Western Conference Finals? I do. Anyway. Aww. Pearl River Resort I saw a great... is the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Here. You can learn more about the Sportsbook online at PearlRiverResort.com, or you can learn more about it by visiting in person the next time... You are at the Golden Moon. Stop in the sports book and check it out. I'm just going to tag Borky in this tweet I saw this morning, and uh, he can have that. That'll be my response to him. So, Okay. There we go. Uh, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Love to hear from you, 601-879-4395. When there was all of this pomp and circumstance about the billion-dollar television deal for the Big Ten. I remember. They're surpassing the SEC, they said. It was Who could forget? It was the crown jewel in Kevin Warren's bumpy tenure as the leader of the Big Ten. It was the, the, the biggest arrow in his quiver, if you will. If you will. And then Kevin Warren high-tailed it out of the Big Ten offices. The first chance he had to go be the president of the Chicago Bears and try to build another stadium. He did a really good job with that in Minneapolis for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. He did a less good job running the Big Ten. And it appears... Do you guys remember 
when dotting I's and crossing T's and making sure everything in a contract was exactly as it should be was important? That's how you end up as a human centipede if you're not careful. Mm. The Big Ten, nearly three months before the season kicks off and the TV deals, the new TV deals begin, the Big Ten does not have completed long-form contracts which include the fine print details. Instead, their new commissioner, Tony Petiti, is engaged in significant, the story from Pete Thamel at ESPN calls it horse trading, according to multiple sources, to get NBC, the NBC primetime deal finished. What? To get the NBC primetime deal finished and figure out what the network calls, quote, outstanding issues, close quote, in order to uphold as much value as possible. An industry source told Pete Thamel, these deals aren't done. And they aren't what they were represented to be from the standpoint of the NBC deal and the availability of all members to participate in November games in primetime. Whoops. So put put it in terms for the SEC fan to understand. That would be like Greg Sankey striking a television deal, promising Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you're going to get this amount of money, leaving... The new commissioner, call it Richard Cross, steps in and says, Hey, Keith. Hey, Zach. You're not getting that much money. Sorry. We'll figure it out, though. And and by the way, not just, hey, Keith and hey, Zach. Hey, Greg. Burn. Sorry, your check's not as big. Hey, Danny White. Check's not as big. Hey, Ray, Ray Tanner. I know I'm new to this. Greg left some unfinished business. Uh, we actually don't have the deal done, even though you and I and everybody else thought it was done. And remember that raise you gave to your football coach and doubling your recruiting budget, paying the buyout for a defensive coordinator? Hope you can still afford that, pal. All right, so so yeah. listen, listen to this from the story. When he accepted that job, talking about Kevin Warren, the job of the Chicago Bears, he said that he was leaving the Big Ten in a, quote, demonstrably better position, close quote, which was true financially, is that schools project more revenue than any league over the course of the deal. His work adding USC and UCLA, who joined the conference after the 23-24 season, was widely praised by members and provided a financial jolt to the television deal. On campus, it's a bit more muddled. Big Ten schools have seen potential revenue disappear the past few months from a contract that was announced back in August as being worth an average of nearly $1 billion per year through the 2029 season. More than $70 million in total is is, uh, suddenly in flux. Nearly $5 million per school. Schools have found out recently they're going to have to pay back nearly $40 million to Fox because, according to sources, Kevin Warren delivered NBC the Big Ten football title game in 2026 without the full authority to do so. 
Whoops. They are going to have to pay... They are going to have to pay $25 million total for a deal to pay Fox back for lost 2020 football game inventory. Why is that? Oh, that's right, because the Big Ten didn't want to play in 2020 when everybody else did. That's right. Yeah, This came after an arrangement between Fox and the conference that was unable to muster the lost revenue from the COVID-19 season. And, and, there's tens of millions of dollars of value of the NBC primetime deal in flux. As Petiti has been racing to ensure it keeps as much of its original value as possible. Historically in the Big Ten, after the first weekend in November, schools were not required to play night games for a myriad reasons. Health, recovery, and campus logistics. These were known in league circles as, quote, tolerances, close quote, and prior television contracts accounted for them. Not this deal. Whoops. Whoops. This is all terrible. Horrible things for the Big Ten. And, 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 so, and yet it is child's play compared to what's going on in the Pac-12. We're not there yet. We, 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 that has to have oh. its own segment. That has to have its own segment. And I know you don't always love the business of college sports, no. but When I saw the tweet from Brett McMurphy yesterday about what's going on, I was like, I, first off, I know that you two guys were just like, Hee-hee. but I even I was like, I can't believe what I'm reading. So please continue. So the whole pushback on the playing night games in November, as we sit here and we think about the idea of night games in November in the Big Ten on NBC, who do you want to see? Who do you want to see under the lights? Ohio Ohio State, State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. That's it. Maybe Michigan State. Maybe jump around at nights. Probably pretty sick too. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. But now we're pushing it. Well. There's a problem. Multiple sources told ESPN that there's been pushback from a number of schools, including Michigan, Ohio State, (laughs) and Penn State, to play those late November night games under the new contract. (laughs) So, no offense, Northwestern, the only teams that matter. That's who NBC wants. I mean, at least in the SEC, there's like... There's like eight teams that matter. Yeah. There's only three in the Big Twelve, a Big Ten. There really only two. Guys, they could probably it. live without Big Ten State's opinion. All right, so those schools weren't asked for permission to play them prior to the deal or informed of the change ahead of the deal, according to sources. At the same time, NBC wasn't aware until well after the initial contract was signed this summer that these big brand schools had historic tolerances that were part of the prior television arrangements and would resist being available. What? This is a $7 billion contract that incorporates three television networks. Kevin Warren is absolutely the idiot that we thought he was. And so were apparently a bunch of lawyers. Because you let everybody sign this deal. Ward Manuel is the athletics director at Michigan. Listen to what he said. Quote, NBC was surprised. And I was surprised. 
we had not discussed, and I had not discussed with anyone in the league, to change the tolerance we had agreed upon years ago. <laughs> Whoops. It feels like there might be a lot of blame to go around. What an incredible story. We'll be back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Hey guys, I can make you laugh at another part of this story about the Big Ten and the television rights. You ready to get your giggle on again? All of. Sure. Look, you really, I'm not like telling you what to do, but if you are even remotely amused or intrigued by this story or the business of college sports and college football intrigues you or television and media rights deals interest you at all, I would encourage you to read this story at ESPN.com by Pete Thamel because there's a lot in there and we can't we can't get to all of it. We just can't. But there's some stuff in there that where you're like, wait, wait, what? So do you remember randomly, this is not the, the funny part, when it popped up in a story, this is like two years ago when we were talking about the negotiation process, and there were people that said Fox was leading the negotiations for the Big Ten. They were kind of in the room for the negotiations. And everybody was like, how can you let Fox be in the room when you're negotiating with ESPN? There's a really simple answer. As part of the previous contract, the Big Ten sold all of its TV football rights to the Big Ten network, of which Fox holds a majority stake. And so Fox was actually the lead negotiator and basically a sub-licensor of Big Ten football in this most recent negotiation. The conference wasn't negotiating it because the com- they were involved, but the conference didn't own their own television rights. They had sold those rights to the Big Ten Network, of which Fox owned, I don't remember the percentage, it's at least 51%, but it may be more like 60 or 70%. I don't, I don't remember the breakdown on how that ownership went. But here's the part that I said was going to make you laugh. It leaves the league facing a decision on a potential bonus for Kevin Warren. Who, mind you, is no longer the commissioner of the Big Ten. Kevin Warren, who didn't have a bonus clause tied to a television deal in his contract. But Kevin Warren's predecessor, Jim Delaney, got a bonus of more than $20 million dollars that was announced in 2017, and he's still getting paid for it because he led the negotiation that sold all of the rights through this decade. But the bonus was written into Jim Delaney's contract, and so the Big Ten 
has brought in Corn Ferry, an outside search firm, to determine whether Warren's work with this television deal should bring him a bonus. I'm not laughing. I'm confused. He put together a deal where they lost money. Why would he get a bonus? So, so it was even if with even if they lose a hundred million dollars out of this deal, it was still a massive television deal. Yeah. Since when do people pay bonuses to people one that don't work for them anymore? Two made the deal far more complicated than it had to be, and certainly screwed up some of the important details. And three didn't have a bonus written into his contract. The I giving away that, money. Why would they even explore this idea? It's bizarre. It makes literally no sense. This whole thing is bizarre. I just I, I, the when I read it, I kept thinking about: Could you imagine the outrage had this happened here? It's easy to point and laugh at the Big Ten. Could you imagine had that happened here, where it, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are richer now than they ever have been, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're flush with a bunch of cash just hanging around. They're not building putt-putt courses in Starkville like they are in Clemson, right? It's a little bit different. Even though there's more money here, it's still not the same. Having to write a $5 million check back after you've budgeted, you've hired and fired, you've increased things, you've added staff, you've added facility projects, You've made commitments to all of that stuff for the next 12 months, and you have to just discover $5 million to return? Yeah. Could, could Keith Carter do it? I mean, I guess you would have to. You, you would have to somewhere. But they don't yeah, have but, $5 but, but, million extra dollars just to hand remember, over right now. Re- remember the COVID year? You had 14 schools in the SEC. 11 or 12 of those 14 schools were really feeling a financial crunch during that year because the revenue just wasn't there. There were two, maybe three schools that were in really, really good shape financially. They were like, no, we got it. But the SEC made a decision that league-wide, all 14 schools would receive an advance on future television money to help them get through a difficult time. And that advance would be deducted on a prorated basis from future TV earnings. And there were a couple of schools that were like, eh, we don't really need that. And they were basically told, shut up, we're not asking if you need it. You do whatever you want to with it. But we've got 12 schools or 11 schools in the league that really do need it. And so the SEC, at the conference level, went and got a loan and distributed 14 times 20, you do the math, $280 million to its schools, and the league is paying back the loan with interest, and the schools will then have that deducted from their future TV money with the new contract that's going to go into place in a couple of years. Big Ten didn't do that. (laughs) They're just like, hey, this is what's coming. Oh, sorry, we messed up. We're going to need some of that back. 
You. It's Whoops. crazy. Whoops. I don't know who the two schools were that said, no, we don't need it. I know one of them was Georgia. I was going to guess Georgia. Georgia has a rainy day fund that will make you blush. Their reserves are mm-hmm. impressive. Maybe A&M? Maybe. you got to remember who's in charge at A&M right now. And his penchant to spend money is second to none. He likes to negotiate against himself. You ever see one of those guys in the park? Uh, so, like, you ever been to a big city, and there's somebody that's waiting to get somebody to sit down and play chess in front of them? And in the meantime, they've got yeah. the board that spins on an axle, and they're playing against themselves? <laughs> chess that's him? That's Ross Bjork. Yeah, Ross Bjork's playing uh, uh, shoots and ladders. Yeah, except for when he's spinning the, the board to play against himself, he's like playing poker. He's just putting more money there. Just let me spin the board. Here's more money. Spin all the in. board. Here's more all money. In. And it all goes to Jimbo and Bobby Petrino. The fate of Texas A&M athletics, guys, is resting at the feet of Bobby Petrino. Thanks to Ross Bjork. What a world. Unrelated. Big 10 under the lights looks really good. Doesn't happen a whole lot. A night game at Michigan Stadium, a night game at Wisconsin, a night game at Penn State at Ohio State looks awesome on television. It's a shame they're afraid of the snow. Thought they were tougher than that. I mean, so it's cold. Okay. It's cold in the South sometimes, too, for night games. They look great on television. Oh, man. Hey, you, you cannot be the people that are afraid, or whatever, to have night games in November, and then turn around and cry that all of the college football playoff games are held in dome stadiums or in really nice weather areas. Well, because the weather gives the advantage to the SEC. The same people who think that they can't play night games because of weather. Make that make sense. Yeah, I know. I know. This story's wild. It's wild. It's embarrassing is what it is. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can uh, find Genteel at men's clothing stores across the state of Mississippi, including the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reeds of Starkville, and Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg. You can also go to their website, genteelapparel.com, and for a limited time, enter your email address and get 10% off your first order from Genteel. It's not this, I mean, we're rolling into summer, right? So swim trunks, you need some new swim trunks? You can grab those. You need shorts that are going to look good and feel great. You can get those, not to mention their golf shirts that look absolutely spectacular. they got some stripes. they got some really cool patterns that are you got one of those on Borky? You got one of the patterns? I do. Yeah, it's a uh it's a hexagon. Little yeah. tiny little hexagons all over it. Looks great. There you go. Get them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios after this.
for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Coming up uh, this weekend, the World Championship Old Time Piano Playing Contest. Borky, you were out last week, and I reminded Haydad about this. It was a big deal a year ago. A lot of folks came into town. Huge. May 26th through the 28th at the University of Mississippi. Enjoy listening to world-renowned pianists as they play music. Written prior to 1940. For more information, you can go to oldtimepianocontest.com. Also, the Summer Sunset Series will return to the Grove Stage Sunday nights in June. More information on that is to come. All information on the website, visit oxfordms.com. And be sure to follow along on their social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at visitoxfordms. So there you go. Um, about 10 minutes until they resume... In the top of the ninth inning, Texas A&M and Tennessee, A&M leading 3-0 over the Tennessee Vols. About a two-hour delay. That one went into a delay right as we were starting the show. And uh, so about a two-hour delay. And nice. uh, they're going to get going again. A&M with the momentum leading 3 to nothing in the top of the ninth, trying to knock Tennessee out in an elimination game on day one. What do you think Tony Vitello does during a two-hour rain delay? I assume mostly on Curls. his phone. Curls. Getting swole. Kind of like in front of the mirror, too. He, he strikes me as the kind you know, of guy I'm that... I'm trying to get less swole. <laughs> well, there's there's difference between swollen, you know. And swollen. But, <laughs> there's a difference, yeah. But Tony Vitello strikes me as the kind of guy that like has some... like. Sports car magazine, but it's all just like souped up mm-hmm. Mustangs. And he's trying to get everybody around him to look at them, and nobody wants to, and he keeps telling them to look. He's like, hey, check out this one. You see this Viper right here? And the guy's like, yeah, that's cool, Tony. Yeah, yeah, I might get one. And then he flips the page. Hey, I, man, I test check drove out this. one the other day. Yeah. I don't know what he drives now, but I was told a few years ago he had a Maserati. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure he likes to tell everybody about it. Oh yeah, looks through tender. That's a good call. Yeah, he's on. Call. He's on Bumble ah. right now, buddy. He's just. Uh, what, what I the, don't know. What are the local? He's like Quagmire. Like, just, just swipe right. Don't worry about it. Just swipe <laughs> right. You don't think maybe he was like just watching a couple of episodes of Succession, catching up or something during the break? No, he's not watching Succession. No. He's, he's, he's no, no. He's watching. He, he might have snuck out and, and gone to see the the new Fast and the Furious. He fit Tony Vitello fist pumps during Fast and the Furious, and he like mm-hmm. laugh, like and he he yells at, at the the screen. I think Heck you guys yeah, turned, get him, Dom. Get him, Dom. I think Dom. you guys have turned Tony Vitello into car- into a caricature of himself. I saw him chest Tony, bump Tony, an umpire. I feel like I'm pretty spot he's on. He's Tony Vitello, bro. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. There you go. That's pretty good. You think he goes to the tanning bed? Jeez. Yes. <laughs> you you know that he has oh. told his team at least once, we are not a team, we're family. 
You know he's done that. How long do you think he looks in the mirror every day? Another suggestion on the ceasefire text line. He's watching last in, last out, thinking about sweeping the Rebels in week one of SEC play last year. <laughs> Could have been us. I mean, if they had the SEC network on in the locker room. I mean, don't you think first in, last out would have been a good documentary if, if, if they had won it? But they didn't. No. Yeah. yeah, maybe so. Well, if he saw that, he probably huh? threw something at the TV. I do have a slight quibble with the name. When you say last, I mean, technically wasn't Oklahoma the last out? Ole Miss was the last in, and they were never, nah. they were never out. Yeah, that's a bad title. They turned they they turned the lights off when they left the stadium. They were the last team out of the stadium. They, they should have taken Mike Monaco's call. Yeah, last one in, last one standing. Yeah, and that's or or last in, last standing. He doesn't go to the tanning bed. He has one in his office. Oh. <laughs> So you think he's a tanning bed guy and not a spray tan guy? Uh, he goes to the bed. I mean, well, the bed, but then he has a touch-up, you know? Do you he think he wears the little eye yes. goggle things? Yes, and the Speedo, yeah. He's got a custom pair with T on one eye and V on the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think Cindy might have the wrong number, although she says hi, Brian. And I, I, I was wondering, I was like, when did Cindy and I go for sushi? Hmm. You think she just I went to sushi the, with a, a wife's friend the other here. day? Her name's Aaron. Yeah. Ooh, that, yeah, she saved. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi College Football Fix coming your way to start the 5 o'clock hour. We'll visit with David Cobb. We'll talk some SEC football. David, of course, writes at cbssports.com. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line. we got more coming up. 5 o'clock hour is next. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Pick me up, love. Pick me up, love. Every day. Welcome back. 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us wherever you're listening, however you are listening. We're glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our friend David Cobb from CBS Sports, cbssports.com, joins us to talk some SEC football with a college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. David, let's start with quarterbacks in the SEC. This is an intriguing year in my mind because you got some new faces, but you've also got some guys returning. When you think about Jaden Daniels at LSU, K.J. Jefferson at, uh, at Arkansas, um, kind of guys at the top of the list in terms of returning quarterbacks with big-time expectations, 
What strikes you as, as most important? And, and maybe who do you think is the best returning quarterback in the SEC? Yeah, it's interesting because a couple of the returners are going to be facing some different circumstances with K.J. Jefferson, for example. You know, Kendall, Breyer, Kendall Bryles is no longer the offensive coordinator there. So late in your career to undergo a coordinator change, that's, uh, that can produce mixed results. Uh, and then, of course, the same goes for, for Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Uh, very different circumstances there, obviously, with uh, Zach Arnett taking over a defensive mind. Uh, he was just so close, it seemed like, with, with Mike Leach. And you have to commend his loyalty to, to State. Uh, but now there, there obviously are questions about a new system, a new scheme, how that works, what that looks like there. So, yeah, proven veteran quarterbacks, but still questions surrounding them, at least with those two that come to mind. With another year in Brian Kelly's overall system and that LSU offensive system and seemingly an upgraded roster, is Jaden Daniels, who at times in his career has had injury issues but largely stayed healthy last year, does he put up a season that merits him being in the Heisman conversation? Yeah, I think so because he, he does it with his arm and his legs. He was the Jaden Daniels last year that we saw as a freshman at Arizona State. And because of the lack of talent on that Arizona State roster in the subsequent two seasons, it made him look like he wasn't as good of a player as he truly was. And then you put him around those elite wide receivers at LSU last year, uh, with a good coach and a good scheme, and it made a world of difference. So, yeah, Jaden Daniels is is legit, and you know, we saw Garrett Nussmeyer look really good in that SEC championship game. And the fact that, that Jaden Daniels, we're not even talking really about a, a quarterback controversy, mm-hmm. um, t- tells me that there's a lot of faith and a lot of trust because that was such a head scratcher last year. Like, why is LSU going out and getting Jaden Daniels when at the time? They had uh, Nussmeyer, they had Walker Howard, uh, they had Miles Brennan, who had actually been pretty productive after Joe Burrow. But, man, Brian Kelly knew what he wanted. And the, the fact that he was able to ID Jaden Daniels and the fact that he's been such a solid fit, after they rarely ran the quarterbacks at, at Notre Dame, um, yeah, just a, a phenomenal pickup for LSU. And I think, I think you're right. I think, he's, I think he starts the season on the fringe of that Heisman conversation and plays his way in, kind of depending on the team success of LSU. And and the crazy thing is, he's going to have a showcase game. In fact, we've got a mega showcase game in week one with two of the best, maybe two of the best quarterbacks in the country with with Daniels and and Travis at uh, Florida State. Yeah, great point. That was such a great game last year. I, I love that we get it. Week one, I think it's a Sunday game, so maybe yep. a standalone moment again. And if it's anything like it was last year, we're in for, for a fantastic game there because you're talking about two teams with sky-high expectations. LSU won the SEC West last year, so you know what they're expecting in Baton Rouge? They're expecting to win the whole, the whole league this year. You know, forget about Georgia, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's the way things are down there. And Brian Kelly is – you know, on such a trajectory there early that, you know, that's the expectation. And then at Florida State, of course, uh, they won 10 games last year and, and bring almost everyone of consequence back. So we're talking about a massive week one game. I mean, I haven't really studied the whole week one slate yet, but I'd be hard-pressed to find one that I like better than, than LSU Florida State. 
Yeah, and I completely agree with you with that one standing on Sunday night. It will be a massive audience. No other college football to compete against and also no NFL to compete against. That'll be a, a really cool way to move us toward the end of that opening weekend. You mentioned Walker Howard a second ago. Transfers away from LSU to Ole Miss, maybe in large part because of what you saw from Garrett Nussmeyer and just kind of the writing on the wall of how long he might have to wait to have an opportunity and so we go up to Oxford. Uh, Jackson Dart returns. He had a, a good first year. Maybe not a great first year, but a, a solid first year. And you get the transfer of Walker Howard, and you get the transfer of Spencer Sanders. And and we scratched our heads all spring long, David, kind of watching this, and we watched the spring game. And it appears, unless something crazy happens in the transfer portal that, that we don't anticipate, all three of those guys are going to be on campus and in that quarterback room when they reconvene in August for the start of uh, of camp. Yeah, we're doing the same thing about the L- or the Ole Miss quarterback room right now that we were doing about LSU this time last year, which is like, why is this guy going out and, and getting a uh, transfer quarterback? One of it was like, why is Jane Daniels going to LSU? Uh, mm-hmm. And now it's kind of the same deal with, with Spencer Sanders. With Walker Howard, you can maybe see it. He's got a lot of eligibility left. Maybe he could be that guy down the road. Uh, he wasn't making a 2023 decision, but maybe a 2024 or 25 decision yeah. there. But with Spencer Sanders, when you've only got one season of eligibility left and the team you're transferring to returns its starting quarterback and gets another former five-star coming in, that that is a head-scratcher. It, it almost makes you wonder like what he was told during the recruiting process. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I defer – to Lane Kiffin because that man is a quarterback whisperer. I mean, I always flash back to the job he did at Tennessee with Jonathan Crompton, right? And mm-hmm. with, with uh, another year in that system, I mean, could Dart take a, a step forward? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, think about what the job he did with Matt Corral. I mean, Matt Corral was pretty unspectacular under under Matt Luke, and then Kiffin comes in and, and he becomes uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I, ultimately, from an Ole Miss fan perspective, you really got nothing to worry about. You got three pretty good quarterbacks, uh, scholarship quarterbacks on your roster, and that's in a, that's a great position to be in uh, going into the season. So it's 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 an interesting story, but you almost feel good about it from an Ole Miss perspective because you have three options. I would take Ole Miss's quarterback room over Alabama's quarterback room, uh, to be quite honest. <laughs> so yeah. uh, from that no, standpoint, I, I, that. I think I think they're in a good spot. So there are two places in the SEC East that I find wildly interesting at the quarterback spot, and they are not Georgia, where there you got three guys competing for a job. Uh, it's not Florida with the mess that they seem to have at that position. It's Tennessee and Kentucky. Joe Milton the third strikes me as another guy who it almost feels like it's going to be great or it's going to be a disaster. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of in between, but if it's great. He's in the Heisman conversation as well. And then Devin Leary coming in from NC State. I think Kentucky upgraded at quarterback with Devin Leary from Will Levis. Yeah, you might be right about that, which is crazy because you're not going to see Devin Leary on the draft board uh, no. like you did Will Levis. You just, you just won't. You might see Joe Milton on the draft boards like Will Levis for the same reason Levis got all that hype because of the physical tools, the arm strength, um, that kind of stuff is, is why Joe Milton has a chance. But if he if he performs like an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, 
ultimately it's not going to matter. Like Tennessee would much rather have a less toolsy quarterback who actually completes passes and doesn't airmail receivers on the deep ball than they would a guy who can throw it 70 yards. Because, I mean, that, that, that really only gets you so far. Um, and, and we've seen that, that story play out with Joe Milton both at, at Michigan and at Tennessee. But as for Kentucky's quarterback situation, I, I think you're pretty spot on. And now they get, they get uh, Liam Cohen back from, from the NFL – their, their offense has a chance to be better this season than it was last season with Will Levis. Yeah, I, uh, it's fascinating. I, I don't know what we're going to get with that Kentucky team, although it does feel like uh, a level of consistency has kind of set in with the Wildcats under, uh, under Mark Stoops. So we'll see how that plays out. David, it's getting close, right? We start our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days on Thursday of this week. Enjoy the summer. We'll uh, we'll talk some more college football with you between now and the start of the season. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. That's David Cobb from CBS Sports talking quarterbacks in the SEC on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you want to join the conversation, you can do it on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Tennessee a winner, or excuse me, no, 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 no. Texas A&M a winner, 3 nothing over Tennessee. The seventh seed of Tennessee Vols eliminated from the SEC tournament. We're going to stick with the football conversation. We'll talk some recruiting and what's happening in the Magnolia State when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Happening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Come join the premier collegiate wood bat league in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League is hosting its 15th season with games at BNA Bank Park in June and July. While the deadline has already passed for collegiate players to get their applications in, there's still time if you are a junior high or high school player. The application deadline is June 2nd, so you got about a week and a half left to get your application in. You can do that online at cottonstatesleague.com. The Cotton States Baseball League is a very affordably priced league, and it features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and, of course, for upcoming junior high and high school players. Again, the application deadline for junior high and high school players is June 2nd. Check the Cotton States League out on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets or visit their website at cottonstatesleague.com. Uh, good conversation with David Cobb talking quarterbacks in the SEC. That was your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. 46 years, that's how long F-Series has been the best-selling truck in America. Test drive a Ford F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Let's continue the college football conversation. From a recruiting standpoint, fans, depending on who they cheer for, seem to be excited right now here in the state of Mississippi or a little frustrated right now 
here in the state of Mississippi. Orky Ole Miss has been on a little bit of a heater in terms of recruiting, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You talked about that yesterday uh, when you referenced Pete Golding and his uh, leather loafers with no socks. And yeah. That's true. That's how he rolls. Um, it's working. Uh, yeah, got a four-star defensive lineman, uh, Cameron Beavers. Uh, that is their second four-star defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi in this class. And depending on who you believe, they are trending in the right direction for the other two four-star defensive linemen from the state of Mississippi in this class. And they, again, depending on who you believe, are primed to flip a four-star wide receiver from the state of Mississippi, who is currently committed to Tennessee. Seven of Ole Miss's eight current commitments are from the state of Mississippi. A dramatic shift in uh, locale from previous years under Kiffin in recruiting. Four of those eight are four stars. As you guys know, the Blue Chip Index has fewer than 20 programs in America that have 50% or better Blue Chip players. So it's very early. It's May. Mm -hmm. It's May, it's May, it's May, it's May, it's May. Got to be said 100 times. Well, this is doing very well so far recruiting the state of Mississippi and are continuing to trend in the right direction doing so. So, hey, Dad, the reason for some of the online angst among some Mississippi State fans, I, I think, is twofold. Part one, those defensive linemen that we were just talking about have traditionally gone to Mississippi State, right? I mean, just look at the lineage of defensive linemen from the state of Mississippi that have gone to Mississippi State and have gone on to do big things in the NFL. You don't have to look hard, and you don't have to look far. The history is there. And then number two, Zach Arnett, from the get-go, said Mississippi recruiting is where we are going to start. And to Borky's point, it's May. There's a long way to go. But the early returns have people concerned. As they should. I mean, it is early, and it is just May, but you know, Mississippi State has not been the school in years past to get into the flipping business, and that's that's always been Ole Miss. Ole Miss has been the, the school that you know maybe starts slow in recruiting, and they pick up when we get into November and December. State's always been a team that gets its commitments kind of early and then holds on throughout the signing process. And the defensive lineman, like you mentioned, that is very frustrating for Mississippi State right now when you've got Jeff Simmons, Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox all sitting there with $100 million contracts, and the guy who recruited him and coached him is on your staff, and yet these these four, not only, as, as Borky kind of hit on, not only does Ole Miss have two of these four-star kids, but State's not really trending well for any of them uh, at this point. Of, of, the top, of the top ten prospects in the state right now, State's really only looking good for maybe two guys. Um and neither one of those guys are going to commit today. So state state doesn't have any recruiting momentum right now. State has one commitment from the state of Mississippi, the number twenty player according to twenty four seven, who is a guy who doesn't have a ton of offers from from around the SEC. Ole Miss has kind of flipped state strategy on itself. They they've gone after the Mississippi, and this is a great year in Mississippi. You've got thirteen, fourteen, four star kids out there, kind of similar to twenty nineteen with the class that had Nicobe Dean. And Charles Cross and all those guys. This is a very talented class, you know, a very deep class for the state of Mississippi. But right now, Mississippi State, not in the game for a lot of these guys, or if they are, they're behind. So I wonder if this is a sign of any kind of a re recruiting strategy switch 
for Ole Miss, or if this is more of the same from Lane Kiffin, but the last point you made is the part that makes it more of the same. Because he has said, we're not really worried about where kids are from. We're trying to get the best players. But if some of those best players happen to be in your backyard and you bring in a guy with the recruiting reputation of Pete Golding, maybe all of a sudden your focus is a little sharper on your home state than it is in a year where less of those good players are from Mississippi. Can't all these things be true at once? Absolutely they could. Yeah. Absolutely they could. And and then there's another layer to it as well. Yeah. And and that's what role does NIL play. Right. Golding is a guy that you and I can all say, like, look, anybody could coach Alabama. Well, that's fine and all, but he's got him on his resume. He can point to a, as a lot of first-rounders and say, coached him, coached him, coached him, got him to the pros, got him. It's, it, there's just no getting around that, you know, so that, that's, a, that's a thing right now. And you, I think you did hit on something. If, if, if Mississippi, if this was a normal year in the state of Mississippi and there were maybe two or three four-stars and the rest of the kids were those high three-stars that state has made a living off of mm-hmm. in years past, maybe Kiffin's you know, eye is a little further away from the state of Mississippi. But when you've got 14 four-star kids in the state, and think about Ole Miss, how many high school kids are they going to sign? I mean, in an average year now, they're signing like 13 or 14 kids, and then they're putting the rest into the transfer portal it makes sense to you know, if you've got those connections in the state. Cameron Beavers is from Bay, excuse me, from Bay Springs. That's pretty much that's an Ole Miss area. Ole Miss has done well in Bay Springs before. Um, excuse me. Um, the other kid they have committed uh, is from down on the coast. Uh, uh, Rush, the kid from Pascagoula State, was late to offer that kid. Ole Miss got in there and recruited him well, and now he, he's there. That's you know the coast is not traditionally a Mississippi State stronghold through the years, so. Ole Miss has got some connections. They're they're playing the game well, and and then you mentioned NIL. I think Charlie Winfield's doing a really good job with what he has at, at the Bulldog Initiative. But he was on this show. He was yeah. on Thunder and Lightning Live talking about we're not going to offer it to, to high school kids. And I and I know I know that it's not technically legal to offer NIL deals to high school kids. I know that, so he can't say it out loud. But when you say that out loud, and kids hear that, they just well, I guess I can't get an NIL deal at Mississippi State. Yeah. So that's an interesting. Thought, you know, to just, I know you, it's one of those things you, you can't say that we are going to give you a deal, but you don't have to say that you're not going to give you a deal. Right. That, that, that's what stood out to me so much. And I've been thinking about that a lot, especially lately, because I, I've seen the reaction that you guys have from state fans. They're pretty mad right now. They're mad. And they're mad right now. On the NIL piece, yes, you can't, to give the benefit of the doubt, you can't give recruiting inducements, but I mean, come on. Um, if that is not your strategy, if you actually are yeah, let, wanting to uh, get... Let me just interrupt. If you don't think people are talking about NIL during the recruiting process, you are... That's naive. You, you are lying yeah. to yourself. And, and, not and, fooling yeah. yourself. You are lying to yourself. And it's impossible to enforce. I mean, it's just impossible. No, it nobody's enforcing it. So if that is not your strategy, if you are engaged w- with high school players on the NIL front, don't say that publicly. If I were advising a lawyer, which sounds funny, uh, I would tell him not to say that anymore. Don't don't put that out there because that can be used against you. But if that is your strategy, the next question is why? Because I don't think you should sling millions of dollars around to a bunch of high school kids, but there are some that you need to to pay and keep. And if you are not going to get involved in the high school NIL game when you've got four 
four-star defensive lineman in your own state, if you're not going to get involved in that, you're not going to get them. Maybe you might get some. There are some kids that don't need it, and, and we've talked about that before. But if you're not going to get involved, Ole Miss will. LSU will. Alabama will. Auburn will. Georgia will. Tennessee will. Arkansas will. And if you're yes. not... Especially at that position. Yeah. The most important position in the SEC, it feels like. And so, if that is a decision that's being made because of like mindset, you need to get out of that. But, and if that's a decision that's a being made ago, because of lack of funds, funds need to be raised. It's not a lack. I don't think it's a lack of funds thing. I don't think that at all. I think state's fine. I think it's a philosophy thing right now. That okay. needs to change then. Like immediately. The, or else the you're going to lose. The only thing I would push back on that you said, Borky, is yes, there's some exceptions. There's some kids who don't necessarily need the money. But I think even kids that don't necessarily need the money or don't necessarily come from families that need the money, they still want it. Yeah. Who's going to turn it down? Somebody's yeah. turning down free money. Regardless of your income level or your trust fund or whatever, somebody's like, here's 50 grand. Hey, thanks. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Tony Vitello with a little bit of spin after the uh, game from everybody's favorite Wes Rucker's Twitter feed. Uh, Vitello, after the game in which they lost 3-0 to Texas A&M, everybody in this league is a competitor. Everybody comes here wanting to win this thing. But there are benefits to going home early and getting some rest, too. Look at the history. This league beats you up. Some rest is good. He's not wrong. I mean, I, Chris Lamontison, Mike Bianco these last two years would not argue with him. No. The only thing is that Tennessee could potentially have played itself into a host, but it was going to take a deep sure. run. And so the the reason to me that that's so important for Tennessee, they only have four losses at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this year. They're like 35-4 mm-hmm. and four at home. And they've been not good on the road, and they're going to have to go on the road for a regional. So we'll uh, we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Hmm. So, Brett McMurphy dropped this little gem on Twitter this morning. Hold on, we gotta, we gotta title the new segment, because this is like the fourth one of these so far. The thank God your team is in the SEC stat of the day, or something like that. Something like that. This was the tweet from Brett McMurphy. Washington State President Kurt Schultz says WSU Athletics will have, quote, temporary freeze on all current and future vacant positions until further review, as well as a pause on non-essential travel 
purchases and new professional development, close quote, because of, quote, significant decrease in Pac-12 revenue distribution as a result of, wait for it, overpayments from one of the conference media partners that must be resolved. Relocation of the Pac-12 headquarters out of San Francisco exceeded budget projections as well. Additionally, Washington State projects that Cougar Athletics exceeded its expenditures for the year due to inadequate documentation of revenues and expenses. Close quote. Huh? Kirk Schultz, Never the seen that. president Never at seen Washington that. State, said we're broke and we don't have the money to fix it. And the conference messed up, and our TV partners messed up, and oh, by the way, we messed up from an accounting standpoint internally. So basically, everybody messed up, and we are broke. I think that's how I interpret that. Is that, is that yeah. how you interpret it as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what he said, yeah. That, that league is done. And, and Washington State is who I feel bad for in this. Because, like, the Sun Belt's going to be fine. Through all of this, I think the Sun Belt's going to be fine. There, there are people that are crying foul that only the Power Five schools are, are, are going to survive and everybody else is in trouble. No, I disagree. I think conferences like the Sun Belt are going to be fine. They're smaller. They're not as wealthy. But they're in football care areas, right? Mississippi cares about football. Louisiana cares about football. North Carolina cares about football. And on and on. They're in the we-still-give-a-crap region of the country. The teams that are going to get left behind in the Pac-12 are going to have nowhere to go but down. Washington State is not attractive to anybody. And so when the realignment happens, because it's going to happen, they are going to get left behind. The Sun Belt's going to exist. The AAC's going to exist. Those programs are going to keep running. But Washington State, Oregon State, programs with fan bases that care, and apparently, you know, nice little college towns, and they've had some success in the past, are going to get left behind. And their options are going to be the whack where they'll play Nevada. I mean, that that's what those programs are, are left looking at. That's who's getting the shaft here. It's not Southern Miss and Appalachian State. It's Washington State and Oregon State, and although they don't care, Stanford and Cal. So the culprit in the the revenue overpayments is Comcast. Comcast overpaid the Pac-12 by $50 million over the course of several years, and now the conference must settle its debts. That's from a story at the Seattle Times. John Wilner reported last month that Comcast is withholding $50 million in payments to the conference through the end of summer 2024 because of the overpayments. 
As a result, each Pac-12 school is expected to lose at least $4 million in revenue this year. The CFO of the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network president were fired this year for their roles in the Comcast overpayment scandal. Goodness. And, oh, by the way, they can't get a new TV deal done. And if they do I mean, get one done, it's going to be it's going to be streaming or on the CW or something. It's not going to be anything that puts big money in their their team's pockets. And clearly, the Pac-12. I mean, we talked about the the buffer that the SEC got a loan for on behalf of its schools during the COVID year and distributed that money. Pac-12 is not in any in any position to go do that. It's like if you tried to go get a loan to buy a house that one you couldn't afford and two your credit score was in the mid 500s. A mortgage company or a bank would laugh at you. If the Pac-12 tried to go borrow money to distribute its schools to help them get through a difficult patch, the bank would laugh at them. And I just wonder if we're getting closer with the aggressiveness that we have seen from Brett Yormark in the in the Big 12. Borky, are we getting closer to those four-corner schools? Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado saying, guys, we're out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not. We're not necessarily saying that the Big Twelve is the best conference in the history of the world, and their media deal is not the biggest ever. But they're stable and strong. You guys, you, you guys have treated our budgets the way the state of California has treated its budget, the way Congress treats the U.S. budgets. And we don't get to operate that way because we don't have the ability to print new money. You know, somebody texted a, a, a something like this earlier, and the, and they're so spot on. You you see, for example, like the the A's fired that announcer, right? They ended up getting fired. Michigan fired and a staffer because of, of problematic tweets that he liked, or, or and, and things like that. You've got conferences mismanaging money. You've got all these things that. Athletic directors are getting people to stroke them $20 million checks to fire a coach that they hired, and they lose their jobs. Why Why is it that the people in sports, for example, are held to a much higher standard than the people that literally run this country? Have Keith Carter stand up and lie to Ole Miss fans every day. Just let him start lying. Just just lie every day and get caught in it all the time. What would happen to him? Let him fail at his job every day and what would happen to him? He would lose it. We re-elect those people. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. If you're in the market for a new car, truck, SUV, 
Can I direct you to my friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota? they got a great selection of F-150s on the lot and some Super Duty trucks right now and a couple of Broncos and some Expeditions and some Explorers, and their used car lot has got great selection. Belk Ford is a family business that has been in business for nearly 100 years. They have been a Ford dealership for over 60 years, and they're going to treat you, well, the way you want to be treated, like your family when you walk in the door. They're not just trying to stick you in the first car that you walk up to and push you out the door and get you to sign a contract. They're going to listen to you and understand what your needs are. If you're in the market, you can find them online at belkford.net. Or you can visit them in person. Highway 6 West in Oxford. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, a family-owned business for your next car, truck, SUV, whether it's new or used. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Thereabouts. Very specific. That is the uh, time that Southern Miss will play James Madison tomorrow in the Golden Eagles' first game of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. James Madison, a winner earlier today against, uh, they play you, they play you. where is it, where is it? There it is. Uh, they beat Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Yes, they beat Old Dominion earlier today. And so, Coastal Carolina will play the winner of Georgia State, Georgia Southern, which is happening tonight. Game one tomorrow is between Appalachian State and Troy. And then Southern Miss will play the second game of the day against James Madison. Coastal Carolina will play the third game of the day against either Georgia Southern or Georgia State. And then Texas State and Louisiana will play the nightcap. All of those games at Riverwalk Stadium in downtown Montgomery tomorrow. That's a cool venue, too. Good good spot for the uh, Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Um, what we got? We've got, uh, we got SEC baseball going on right now. Kentucky. Who's Kentucky playing? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Alabama. Kentucky and Alabama playing right now. Alabama did nothing in the top of the first. Well, who uh, do you think Bohannon has in this one? <laughs> I mean, technically, whoever he wants at this point. Hey, not, not illegal now, is it? Yeah, and then you got Auburn, Missouri in the nightcap tonight. So, uh, game one, South Carolina beat Georgia 9 nothing. Game two, Texas A&M beat Tennessee 3 nothing. Kentucky and Alabama are headed to the bottom of the first, and then Auburn and Missouri coming up later tonight. So LSU will play South Carolina tomorrow in the first game of the day. Arkansas will play Texas A&M. Florida will get the winner of the Kentucky-Alabama game, and Vanderbilt will get the winner of the night game between Auburn and Missouri. That is so much more information than Michael Borky wanted about the SEC baseball tournament. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll put on game four, which will be a blowout again, and then I'll put on the baseball tournament because it'll probably be more interesting. Yeah, so LeBron might be hanging it up. He says he's got a lot of thinking to do. Yeah, I I don't see that happening, but we'll see. I, I saw a theory, which actually, you know, 
Kind of makes sense. Well, to take a year off and then come back and play the strong year with with Bronny. He wants to play with his kid. Yeah. Which, if I'm if I'm his, you know, I love my dad to death, but being on the same team as my father sounds miserable. <laughs> but can, the Griffies made it work. Yeah, it, give me a year to get healthy because even last night. By the way, he played every minute. Anthony Davis couldn't be bothered to show up though. It's almost like that's who he is. It's who he is, but everybody blamed New Orleans for him being inconsistent and soft. It's because he's inconsistent and soft. It's who hey he dad, is. Hey, Dad's head hurts. It's who he is. Jokic shows up every night. Here. Every what night. Here. Every Pelican's night. Pelicans been out of the Pelicans were in the lottery and they're, they're out of the playoffs but three they, weeks but ago. But they blame New. I, no, it's back. it's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a problem. It, I mean, the the whole idea for trading for him was he was going to take over for LeBron, and he's going to lead them to championships, and he can't do it. He's not consistent enough, and he's always been that way. But anyway. Hey, LeBron's supposed to make $45 million next year. I mean, I guess if you're worth a billion, that doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah it's still a lot of money. He, he, and money's not going to be the issue here. I mean, I, I don't know. He's got a long offseason because he's got to get surgery and rehab, but I think he'll be back for another season. Maybe Lakers are going to retool. Like retire. They've got a good team around him. Maybe he just wants to retire and halfway go through rehab and sit at home and get fat. Nah, he he he's going to take a year that's off. Not, I don't think that, I don't think that's LeBron. Get healthy. I mean, even uh, last night he was exceptional in the first half, and then he ran out of gas. What, just, like eleven guess, of thirteen yeah. in the first half at thirty-one yeah. points at halftime. It was unbelievable, and all the he needed forty yeah. was somebody else to just do something, and and that didn't happen. At 40 years old, you can't put a team on your back by yourself anymore. You can't it's do it. It's a disappointing season, but it's what it is. Stuff, personal yeah, I mean, stuff it finished aside. better than it looked like it was going to. I mean, it looked yeah. real bad back in uh, October, November, December. I am a Lakers fan. If you don't end by winning the final game and hosting the trophy, that was a disappointing season. You would think a Yankees fan would have some respect. It's been so long since the Yankees have won a World I'm Series. Just saying. I don't even know what that feels like. Yeah. I, I, if you don't win the, the title, that's a disappointing season for a Lakers fan. By the way, I, have I said to you before that it doesn't make sense to me that you're a Lakers fan and a Giants fan? I mean, it feels like you should either be a Lakers no, have, fan and a Dodgers no fan or a oh, Giants God. fan and a Warriors fan. Well, I'm not. So, you just picked all the front say. runners when it was fun and said, okay, we'll yes, get that. The Giants were front runners in, in, in the 80s and 90s. Huge championship teams. Yeah. It was Will Clark with the Giants, right? It was Will Clark, yes. It was Magic okay. with the... Uh, Magic was my favorite player when I was a kid. So. Uh, okay. All right. That'll uh, that'll do it. That uh, brings our show to an end. We will re-rack it and do it again tomorrow, just after 3 o'clock. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a wonderful... Tuesday evening. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.